Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series. This episode is titled Nearshore Late Season Grouper, and I'm going to be talking with Captain Chris Falcone of Spooled Rotten Charters out of the Cedar Point, Swansboro, Emerald Isle area. We're going to be talking about such areas as safety, using those electronics, gear and rigs and bait, finding fish, and hopefully a little bit on anchoring. My name is Gary Hurley of Fisherman's Post. Fisherman's Post has been serving the saltwater fishing community of North Carolina since 2003. We've been bringing you fishing reports, fishing information, fishing tournaments, fishing schools, and here in our latest and greatest effort, the Saltwater Podcast Series, where we reach out to our captain and guide friends from up and down the coast and ask them to share with us their thoughts, their insights on how to catch more fish more often. In this endeavor, I am joined with my podcast partner, Billy Thorpe of Thorpe Creative. Welcome to another episode, Billy. What's up, Gary? Good to see you, man. Always good to be in the podcast studio, podcast chair, uh, and really good to be talking about grouper fishing. I know those have been some of our mostly viewed and listened to episodes in the past, so it's nice to have another one on the docket here. Should be good. Yeah, man. Uh, Grouper is one of my favorite species to target, one of my favorite fishing. And uh, I like when we have first-time guests on the podcast, such as Captain Chris Falcone. He's certainly known him for years. He's worked with the paper, worked with the fishing schools, but this is the first time we have him on the podcast, and uh, I'm expecting a good time. Yeah, man. I mean, he was he was throwing some jokes at you pre-show, and I enjoyed that. Anytime somebody gets on Gary's case about something, I enjoy. I just automatically like him. Just like, hey, you're Me in. Me too. I, here, I'm the same the way. Circle. You're right here. You're in the circle now. Thank you. Anytime you bash Gary, I'm in. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> so it's gonna be. When he's starting show. to compliment me and be polite, I don't trust you. You yeah, talk right? some smack. All right, we speak the same language. <laughs> so it should be a fun show, and we want to we want to make sure we give our sponsors some love, some shout-outs here. So SRD20, uh, these guys came on. They contacted us, wanted to be a part of the fishing show in the Fisherman's Post uh, fishing community. So we really appreciate them. They've been super supportive, sent us over some products. So we got some waterless wash and wax that uh, we, we have, some graphene spray protectant, and then um, also, Gary, some of that soap I've been meaning, hopefully, by the time this episode airs, I've actually brought it to you. It's sitting right here in this box, and uh, and they sent me a cool T-shirt. I don't know if they sent you one, but I definitely got a, a cool T-shirt. No, they're sending on. stuff to you, and I'm waiting on you. But that's yeah. okay because my plan, my my uh, SRD20 plan, happens really next year. But I, I guess at the end of this year. And again, what I've been trying to do is like I've been talking about my plan with it, but I'd like to hit some other talking points too, just to serve just to serve SRD20. And so one of the things I haven't been talking about, because I've been talking about the protectant, you know, the graphene spray more than the soap and soap and wax, but those soap, soap and wax products, man, they're environmentally friendly, pH balanced. Mm. You can use them in a marina. You can use them in controlled areas. Also, it, it is friendly to wax. So if you're not on board with trying the graphene spray, you're still a wax the boat guy, then this soap is wax friendly. And so, you know, even if you don't go graphene spray, then give a closer look to SRD20 soap products. There you go, man. So go check them out, srd20.com. And then if you don't have a boat, you can head over to Marine. I love how these sponsors kind of pair with each other. So if you don't have a boat to clean and you're sitting there listening about SRD20 going, man, I want a boat to clean, head over to Marine Warehouse and get you a boat. It's easy. Just go over there. We got a quick word from them. We'll be right back. 
At Marine Warehouse, we have everything for trailer, trailer parts, engines, engine parts, new boats, boat parts, a full store. We have a service department. We are your one-stop shop for marine equipment and hardware. We offer a wide variety of parts and accessories for all your marine needs. The best part about working at Marine Warehouse Center is to help customers really get the most out of their coastal lifestyle and share our love for the water. At Marine Warehouse, we're here to get you out on the water because of our love for the water. We like being out there and we want you out there with us. There you go, man. It's the crew. And they will sell you a boat. They will make it easy. Just walk up, walk onto the shop, walk onto the yard, say, hey, man, I want to buy a boat. Will you guys make it easy? I promise you the answer is yes. Yeah, just go. If you can find Emmett, because he's, he's preparing. you know. And if you do find him, let me know. But this week, Gary, Emmett has been preparing for a lot of stuff, not only boat sales and preparation and gearing up for the holiday boat sales, uh, but he's been gearing up for a new sport that he's been involved in. So that's your huh? fir- that's your first hint. Now, the name of the sport as we know it is not the original name. The original name of the sport is, I'm going to butcher this, but Pugalism. Do you know what sport I'm talking about and what sport? Say that word again. Pugalism? Pugalism. <laughs> I don't know. Do you know what that word is? Do you know what I'm talking Maybe. about? Maybe. <laughs> I knew I should have brought. Boxing? I is he fighting? Yes. He's is it near... pugilism? Pugilism. I knew. You know what? Never bring fancy words to an English professor during a podcast recording. Oh, man, he's going to fight a tough dude, man. That dude he's fighting looks pretty Ugh. tough, man. But it looks like it looks like he's uh, Emma's been putting in the gym work though. Good for him, man. Yeah, man. He's got some ink. He's got some ink. Emmett the Beast Stovall versus the No Name Goon. So. <laughs> Good job. Hope you win. Wait, what was that word again? Maybe I'm learning. Pugilism. Pugilist. Yeah. Pugilism. But that's all right. I like the way you say it better. Pugilism. (laughs) You know, I just break it down. (laughs) And that is why we are a good podcast duo. We compliment each other so well, man. Yeah. This show's already a hit. Everybody has to have a pinky in the brain. All right. There we go. I like that saying. I don't think I've ever heard that before. I like that saying. (laughs) Oh, man. Now I forgot where we were. Oh, you want to see a fish photo. Here we go. We got Adelaide Johnson hooked this grouper on cut Boston mackerel 20 miles off of South Topsail Inlet. So that is a good-looking grouper. And that looks like it was in the summertime. So good for her. Yeah, that's not looking very late season, although, you know, Nowadays, you can have a 70-degree November, December day just as easy as a 30. So maybe it was a late-season grouper for all we know. That's true, yeah. Yeah, it is, man. This weather is bipolar in North Carolina, that's for sure. It's kind (laughs) of crazy. Oh, man. Well, look, I'm gonna give a I'm gonna give a quick plug, like I usually do, to our weekly fishing reports. And those of you who are I think are familiar, we've been doing weekly fishing reports by subscription only from April through October. We are now in our biweekly schedule. But what we are very much excited about is, in addition to our biweekly schedule, we have scheduled a handful of live shows where we'll be talking to three, two to three guides about a particular topic: winter trout, winter red drum, winter black drum. Uh, winter nearshore bottom. And so with the live shows, you'll be able to text, email, call in with questions in real time. So if you've been watching a podcast such as this and thinking, all right, Gary's pretty good at asking questions, but I wish he would ask this. 
well then you would want to sign up for the weekly reports right now sign up by the month sign up by the year and then you'll be the one asking the questions when we have two to three captains on talking about different wintertime types of fishing. Yeah, man, it's going to be good. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Get my nerd brain going. And uh, hopefully I can run a live stream better than I can pronounce words. So it'll be good. Yeah, I mean, I'm planning on you running the show and people asking questions and me looking good. Like, that's my goal is just to look good. Maybe say something smart-assy every now and then. No, I don't know if you have it in you, Gary, to do that. So <laughs> we'll see. I feel like Chris is going to put you to the test. I hope. I hope. I have high hopes. <laughs> well, look, your best takeaway, the Billy's best takeaway is coming after my conversation with Chris. And I want it to be fishing related. I don't want it to be Gary Hurley uh, mock related. Okay. All right. Okay. That's fair. Actually, you can do whatever you want. I don't really care. Yeah. I'll just edit in after anyway. So it doesn't matter. All right, man. I'll well, let, let me welcome to, to the podcast stage for his first appearance on the Saltwater Podcast Series, Captain Chris Falcone, spooled rotten charters out of the Swansboro, Emerald Isle area. Man, Chris, pleasure to have you on. Looking forward to talking with you very much. I'm starting to like Billy a lot more after uh, what I heard. <laughs> yeah, most people do. Most people think they're going to like me, but no, they're going to like Billy a lot more, a lot more. So, Gary, I love you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's an honor. It really is. And, uh, you know, it's eight years ago, I would have never thought I would have been on a podcast, but here I am. And but I, here uh, you are in your late here 40s. Here you are on a podcast. Late and 40s, I don't care how 50s. many compliments you give me. You do not circumvent the tradition of two questions. Every captain goes through. You tell me you're ready for question number one then that's what I'll give you as question number one. I guess I'm ready. I'll, I'm shooting from the hip here, but we're, we're going to do it. <laughs> question number one, Chris Falcone, why should we stay tuned in? Why should we listen to anything you have to say about a grouper? Well, I, I, I think the pictures, you know, speak for themselves. I, I do well. Am I the best? I'll never say I'm the best. Uh, I, I get lucky. That's what I tell people. But um you know grouper fishing i love it it's a passion it it is a challenge i always tell all my clients i said you can be a hero or a zero and it it is tough sometimes sometimes we don't produce but other times we do very well but i i think if you follow my my facebook page you'll see that we do very well and it's uh when you go with me you know it's i always tell this to my clients first time clients i said you when you go with me, you're, I try to treat my trips like you're going with a, an old friend that you haven't seen for five or seven years, eight years. You know, it, we try to keep it just low key, learn, you know, try to teach them some things. And that's, that's what it's about. It's about having fun and getting on the fish. Chris Falcone, that is an acceptable answer to number one. You have qualified for question number two. Yes, I and made it. Question number two, First as round. tradition goes, is a non-fishing related question. You say you're ready, I give you question number two. I guess I'm ready. I don't know what you're gonna ask, but we're gonna find out. Well, actually I'm gonna ask you, you know, some trivia, I guess. I, I took Spooled Rotten, a play on Spoiled Rotten. Spoiled Rotten had me thinking of kids. Kids think me have me thinking of babies. I'm gonna give you five boy names. Four of them are off the list of worst boy names for 2022. 
one is off the list of best boy names for 2022. So out of these five names, four are worst, one's the best. You tell me which one's popular. You ready? I get, I'm looking for the popular one. Yep, one is popular, right. four make the list of worst names. Okay. Stuart, Chad, Gary, Bill, and Levi. We're going for best name or worst? Yep. I'm going to go with Levi's the worst. No, Levi's off the most popular list for 2022. And sure enough, Gary was holding strong on the top 10 worst names in 2022. <laughs> so Levi, it is. I had a girl list, but I think I'm anxious to talk about grouper fishing. It is one of my favorite. I love bottom fishing, and bottom fishing to me means grouper fishing. So I understand from our pre-show notes, you have a Coast Guard background. Safety is paramount, and you'd like to, by request, start this podcast off with a safety talk. I'm on board. What do you got? All right, sure thing. And, and I do this on every trip when my clients come on board, and I recommend you know, you as a recreation fisherman, whatever, you need to brief your crew on where everything is and what you have and how to use it. When everything hits the fan, it's too late. You need to, they need to know where the life jackets are. If you have an EPIRB, how to operate it, how to operate your VHF radio and what channel, 16. Coast Guard monitors channel 16, 24-7, okay? Where's your throwable? You know, those are things that need to be briefed to your family when they get on your boat. If, if they don't know, it's too late. So I've been doing this for a long time. I've, I've been on the water for pretty much all my life, but I've been in the Coast Guard 26 years. I've seen a lot. And one of the biggest issues is people don't, the only one that knows where everything is, is the owner of the boat, not your guests, not your family. So just please do that. Man, that seems so like a reasonable way to start off the show, a reasonable way to start off a fishing trip. And uh, maybe something I should lean into more when, especially when we do late season and cold weather trips. But uh, so now to transition into near shore grouper in the late season, um, I think pretty much every podcast starts out with some version of where to find fish. And so in your notes, I think that's where I'll push you to go. And I, I'm sure we're going to talk about electronics when we're talking about finding fish. And again, you're, you know, you're talking more specifically out of the Swansboro area. So a lot of my audience, I believe is brand new or relatively new. And that is a big ocean. Even if you say near shore and they're moving in closer, They'll take any advice you can give them. I'm curious. Help us find some grouper. Okay. Well, I'm going to do that. Like we said, we're going to start out with your electronics. Now, this time of year, November, you know, October, November, December, because grouper season ends December 31st. That's your last day to catch them, and then it'll reopen, I think, May, May 1st. Um, you don't need to go far. You don't need to go deep. Um, Everybody has their different definition of offshore um, and nearshore. My, uh, my offshore definition is anything outside of 30 miles. You don't need to go that far for grouper. You can catch grouper out, outside of five miles. 
my preferred area this time of year and later in the season as we get into December is going to be that 10 to 18 mile range where you're in about, you know, anywhere from 55 to 75 feet of water, sometimes 85. That's a good area. So, um, with your, like I said, we wanted to talk about electronics. That was my first topic. And that's, if you don't use your electronics properly, you're not doing yourself justice. And what I mean by that is you need to zoom in with your, with your sonar and look at from the bottom up, you know, 10 feet. And the reason why you do that is you want to see the reliefs. You want to see the rocks. If you don't zoom in and you keep it from the bottom all the way to the top of the surface, you're not going to see those little, those little ledges that are, you know, two foot, three foot. You'll see something that's maybe 15 foot. And I'll tell you something about those 15 foots. They're great, but everybody else knows about them. You want to find your own spots that are going to be in that, you know, those two foot ledges, those three foot ledges, those rocks. Um, so how that's what I'm talking about with your electronics. And when you find those spots that are going to show up on your screen, like I said, 10 foot is very, that's a very good place to start on your, on your uh, sounder. When you start finding a ledge, you need to start doing circles around that ledge and marking everywhere you see the high point or low point, depending on which way you prefer. And the reason why is you want to see which direction that ledge is going. So that ledge may be miles. It may only be a hundred feet. You need to know the layout of that, of that ledge. So that is very key. Um, when you do mark your ledge and after you've got done fishing, you need, you need to label it. Why did, why did you find that important to, to mark? Was it a ledge? Was it a rock? Did you catch grouper there? So you, you name it grouper XXX or grouper number six. I caught six grouper there. That's important because you're not going to remember three years from now because I have 5,000 numbers on my machine and then I'm paying the price because I can't remember why I marked all those spots. So um, that's important with your electronics. But understanding your electronics is probably the biggest um, key to helping you target those grouper. Um, I, I I think that's really it on the electronics. I mean, it, if I had pictures, I could show you, you know, all that. But you, every machine is different. I run Garmin. I love Garmin for its ease, easily to use, but I don't think its bottom reading is as good. But its navigation, uh, user friendly. Um, Lowrance, I think, has got a much better Lowrance and Raytheon, much crisper bottom. But um, and also, you know, knowing that your sonar should be on, like if you're out real deep, you need to be on a lower frequency. But for the most part, we're talking shallow water grouper. Staying in that chirp range is going to be fine for you. All right, man. Uh, and so I know that all electronics are different. So I certainly wouldn't ask you to describe how to set the machine for the bottom 10. But I'm guessing in general, that's just a simple YouTube or a certain, you know, Google search or just the manual. I mean, it's not that complicated to get it focused in on just the bottom 10. 
No, it's not. And you're going to find a lot of YouTube videos out there that are, are, are really going to have much more information because we're limited on time. So I can't I obviously get into all, all the settings and all that, but right. you really, if, if you don't know how to use your machine, you're not doing yourself justice out there on the water as far as catching fish. So how, again, if I'm taking the angle of like the newbie or relatively newbie, and certainly you telling us 55 to 75 feet helps narrow it down for this time of year. But even that is like a wide swath. So have for the, for the person who's trying to figure it out, is there any other, is there any product out there that you would recommend that sort of like says, Hey, here are some, not just known areas, but areas other than just artificial reefs. Have, have you seen any product that you think would help jumpstart? someone who just hasn't spent nearly the same time as you offshore or trolling or marking or anything? Sure. Um, I think it's hotspots. Hotspots has a, uh, there's a chart out there. I think it's called hotspots. It has a lot of the um, popular areas, but when you look at it, it actually gives you good definition of some of the bottom areas. So you, you have an area. Um, that would probably be my best thing. Just go ahead and buy yourself one of those hotspots. Um, you know, there is some different things. They have Seymour Maps, which is, I think, Raytheon and Lawrence will operate on that. You have uh, Relief Shading with Garmin, and it's a very, very detailed um, uh, view of the bottom, but it's limited on, it doesn't cover the whole ocean. It just covers certain spots, so you're, you're limited there. Um, talking to your local uh, tackle stores, they're going to they're gonna point in the right direction. I know... You know, such as Chase and Tails, they have a lot of uh, GPS numbers on, you know, publicly available to you. Um, but yeah, the hotspots would definitely be a, that's a good start. I mean, that's, hell, that's where I started out uh, years ago, just to understand this area, because I'm not from this area originally. I've bounced around the whole country and overseas. Um, fishing's fishing. Bottom fishing's, I mean, it's the same thing. Look for structure and you're going to find the fish. All right, I'm going to continue some follow-up questions. So, when you're when we're talking specifically near, late season nearshore grouper, is there a certain bottom that you find more attractive? Is it that one to three foot ledge? Is it a rock? Is it live bottom? Is it any kind of tandem presentation? And then my next question would be: once you get to that area, to continue the conversation about electronics, like. What else are you looking for on the screen other than, you know, just the seafloor bottom? Are you actually able to mark grouper or bait that might present grouper habitat? Okay. Um, so what I like to look for, I like to find ledges. And I like to find ledges that run for a good distance. And when I say a good distance, you know, beyond, you know, a half mile. And the reason why is it gives me, I can stay in that same area and just keep leapfrogging to the next spot, to the next spot, and just keep working that ledge all the way down. Um, I like to fish on the deep side of a ledge, um, unless the current is really blowing the opposite direction. Um, do I, do you mark grouper? The average, the average recreational fisherman is not going to be marking grouper. Um, you need to have a, a, a really good quality, like a 1KW transducer. They're going to come in as a very small pixel of red. Um, I don't see them very often, but 
I like to set myself up, and I'm, and I'm going to get into that. Um, I like to set myself up just on the deep edge of a, of a ledge because those grouper are sitting underneath the, the ledge. And they're, you know, sometimes they're up on top and swimming around, but a lot of times they're underneath. And you need to entice them to come out, and we're going to talk about that uh, with methods to do that. All right. Well, man, uh, what do we, are we going to talk about anchoring now, or should we go to no, the rigs? No, that's going to be at the end. That, that's, uh, okay. Um, so we talked about using, we talked about just understanding your, your electronics. Um, I was going to go over some baits and then I was going to go over, uh, well, rigs, baits, uh, where and how to find them, which we kind of covered a little bit of that already. Um, so let me, let me get into some of the baits that we like to use because I want to, I want to get the last part into where and, and how. So okay. the baits, um, I mean, basic stuff that you're going to find at any tackle store. Um, you get your cigar minnows, you got your Boston mackerel. These are all frozen. You know, you don't have to have fresh. Um, the shad or menhaden, whatever you want to call them, um, live or, or frozen. They work very well. And then my, my favorite is pinfish. I love pinfish. And the reason why is because if I got a live pinfish on there, um, you can see that you can see that rod start tip, you know, bouncing a little bit. You know, it's about to go down. Um, where when you start using dead baits, you know, you have a lot of different species that are going to start picking away at them. Um, and then, you know, also while you're out there, you're you're going to run into grunts, you know, the tom tates, uh, ringtails, things like that. Um, those can be good baits as well. Sometimes those pinfish get a little, or I'm sorry, ringtail get a little big, and I like to fillet those and then throw the whole fillet down. Um, sometimes butterfly in the tail. Um, you, it's um, kind of lost my train of thought there, but those are the those are the big baits that I like to use, the common baits. Um, so back on your kind of original thing about the electronics, one of the things I'm looking for also if I get out there, and this happens all the time, I have clients, because I'm on a center console, people are standing here, 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 right right around me, and they're staring at the screen going, oh my God, look at all those fish. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to fish here. That's trash. And they're like, what? It's loaded. The screen is loaded. That is not a grouper, typically a grouper zone that I want to target. If your screen looks like a Christmas tree, it's a big ball, um, and it's on the bottom, and it's just huge on there. That is typically grunt, uh, tom tate grunts um, or ringtails, which to me is not a species that I want to target. I'll use them for bait. Um, but the thing about that is, if there are that many uh, tom tates around, more than likely there's not a group around because those fish are complacent being there. You want to go to a place that has little life on it not no life but little life um and plus you're going to be fighting all those little fish you're going to you're going to have a hard time putting any dead bait down without them attacking it um are there grouper there there can be but i i tend to stay clear of that because i already know what's going to happen with my clients we're just going to get nibble 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 and the grouper are not going to be there so i move on all right hey uh 
I, I want to go back and ask you some bait questions, though, man, because I think bait is so important to what we're doing here. And it's just, you know, ask your opinion. So we'll, we'll work through it. Hooking a cigar minnow through the eyes somewhere else. How do you hook a cigar minnow? I typically hook almost, I would say, 90% of my bait through underneath the chin, up through the nose, similar to how you would inshore fish for reds, you know, with a finger mullet. It's, you know, because I feel it gives you good presentation because it, it kind of gives it that natural uh, swimming kind of thing. Boston mackerel, are you using those whole or are you cutting those in half? Boston mackerel depends on if I'm getting the, the really good ones that are a good foot long, then I'm going to cut them in half. Um, I like to cut them on an angle. So when I cut them in half on an angle, the, the tail section has the longer part on the back, and then I cut the tail off. And the only reason why I cut the tail off is because of my rigs that I use, which I'm going to show you and talk about. Um, if you don't, they'll pinwheel. You know, they'll, they'll spin a lot. So that's how I would, I would uh, you know, use the uh, Boston mackerel. Well, I've pinned now, fish then, I guess, in the frozen up. ones that are come in the five-pound box. They tend to be a little bit shorter. I'll use those whole, and I'll just, and again, I'll cut the tail off on those. Cut the tail off. So whether it's a hole or a half or the tail half, you're cutting the tail off of the northern Boston mackerel, but you're not cutting the tail off of the cigar minnow. No, because that's a smaller bait. Um, I tell you, if you can get bigger, the, I mean, you don't really have a choice on what you're buying on, in the frozen boxes. But if you can get a larger cigar minnow, that would be my one of my preferred baits. Um, you know, with a Menhaden or you know Shad, whatever you decide you want to call them, because there's Everybody calls them different, but um, I don't typically, uh, sometimes if they're really big, the torpedoes, I'll cut those in half, or if they're, you know, five, six inches, I'll leave them, leave them whole, and I will trim the tail off. And again, that's, that, that also depends on the current, too. If the current is, like, dead, then I may not cut the tail off. But because um, the rigs I'm using, and we're going to get into that, they're a little bit longer than... You're, you may be used to, or some you know, some of these new guys are used to, where they used used to using what we call chicken rigs. Um, these these are about four to five, four to six foot long. Okay, um, live pinfish up from under the chin and out. I, typically, that's what I do. That's that's my. Sometimes I'll put it in the back, you know, just just behind, you know, the right around the dorsal fin. I don't want to hit the brain, but typically I usually put them through the underneath the chin again, just like you would a finger mullet fishing for reds and then up through the nose. Um, All right. And good live, presentation. live pinfish preferred, but do you have confidence in a dead pinfish? I've used dead pinfish uh, many times and, and caught plenty of a grouper. And, and I well, will I, tell you this, the, the other good thing about using a dead pinfish is you also start finding uh, some really nice knothead uh, sea bass doing that. Oh, I didn't, I haven't heard that before. That's a good little nugget. Thank you. Um, yeah. Man, those are, that was like my main bait follow-up question. So this might be the natural transition into the rig. I certainly want to see what you're using. Okay. One last thing on the, on the, on the bait. So typically when I'm running a trip, for grouper, which if you say, I just want grouper, that's a lot of stress on, on me anyways, and I would think most captains, but typically we are running, say, a four to five man crew, and what I will do is I will run two guys uh, midship or forward, 
and they're running chicken rigs, which is just a two rig uh, circle hooks, and they're putting just different chunk baits on, half a cigar minnow, whatever. And then I'll have um, the guys in the back of the boat, the stern, they're going to be fishing the grouper. And there's a reason for that. I want to get the party started. And Dave Tilly, um, which he taught at the Fisherman's Post, and he's taught me a lot just by teaching alongside him. Um, grouper, you know, they're kind of hanging out underneath those ledges. And when they start seeing the other fish, you know, be active, it's just like he, the way he described it, and I use this all the time. I'm sorry, Dave Tilly, if, if I'm plagiarizing from you, but he taught this in the class, and I thought it was the greatest thing. But it's just like, when you're in your neighborhood, and I'm probably telling the story wrong, this is the way I tell it. When you're in your neighborhood, you may have your neighbor next door, and you know you don't really like him because he borrowed your rake and didn't bring it back for three years, but all of a sudden he has that barbecue. Well, you walk out and you're like, man, that smells great. You're going to go to your neighbor's house and get some of that barbecue. That's a grouper. You've got the party started, and by having those uh, chicken rigs up front, putting them down because those little fish are chewing away and getting a chum ball, kind of a chum thing going. And it gets the grouper excited and they want to know what's going on. And with that, and I've had this happen, it happens a lot where we're catching a lot of other species because we, we try to fish for a lot of species, not just grouper, where the bite's hot, we're catching sea bass, we're catching, you know, grunts, we're catching this, we're catching that. And all of a sudden the bite dies. And I've had a, you know, one of my clients go, Cat, we need to leave, the bite died. No. No, that's not what you want to do. That's the perfect time. That's when the grouper come in because a grouper is a predator fish. And when that bite dies, that could be the reason. It could be a shark as well. But, you know, that's, my, that's when I get excited. Um, the other thing I will do with that bait is I make what, what I call chum balls. And I don't do this all the time, but it's sometimes I'll... You know, because I like to experiment a lot. I will make chum out of false albacore or old bait. I just use a meat grinder. And I make it the size of a baseball. And I'll put uh, 550 in there. You know, uh, I make a loop out of 550, which is paracord or whatever. And then I freeze it in a, in a Ziploc bag. So all I have to do is snap that onto a swivel. And I lower that down. It's great when I got kids on the boat. They love doing this. So they're still fishing with the chicken rig and I got that chum ball three feet off the bottom and the little fish will just tear it apart and it just creates a, you know, frenzy down there and it gets the grouper excited. So that's another thing that I like to do. I don't do it all the time, but the, the reason why I use the small chum balls, because I don't, I don't want to attract a lot of sharks. Cause there's a lot of guys that will use like a five pound bag. To me, that's, that's just too much. And I just, I don't want a lot of sharks because sharks can be, they can tear up your gear and take a lot of time away from fishing. Well, good, man. That was a great bait follow-up. I mean, lots of information there. Um, yeah. And again, like, I'll, I'll follow your lead. Like, clearly, you know what you're doing. And, and uh, I just want to be here and help facilitate you. So if you want to keep talking bait, I'll keep talking bait. If you want to go to rigs, I'll go to rigs. Like, I'm on, I'm on board. Okay. Well, I think we got, I think we got bait covered pretty good. Um, I don't think rigs are going to take too long. Um, I keep looking over here cause, uh, I got my little cheat sheet so I can kind of stay focused cause I can talk forever. Um, so 
like I said, we're, we're talking about dead baits and live baits. Um, I pretty much use the same rig. Um, my go-to is, I got it right here. It's kind of my modified and I, I have an old one here and I, and I use that for a reason because it's scratched. So maybe hopefully you can see it, but I'm going to try to explain it to you. Okay. So we start out with a circle hook. It's a nine knot circle hook. Okay. Cause you got to use circle hooks when you're using, when you're bottom fishing. It's that's, that's the law it is what it is. Can't use J hooks. So I got a nine knot, 10 knot, and I've got this, this is a 150 pound leader material. Okay. So I go from the hook two feet and I, this is all crimped to a barrel swivel. So pretty easy so far. Then I go another two feet to another barrel swivel. And that's, that's going to, uh, clip onto my, um, snap swivel. Okay. That's the upper part. And this is what I want to go over with you. This is the, this is the most important part on the upper section. The upper two feet is this, let's see if I can get in there. It's hard to figure. All right. That is a, a, uh, crimp on swivel. Okay. And I'm going to show you one. And I use that as a slider and you see how there's a bead there. Okay. The beads are on both sides. Okay. What that does is prevent it from getting stuck inside the crimps. So, and I'm going to show you one so you can see it and the package. This is what that actually looks like. Okay. In trying, front of you. Really yeah. trying here. And then here's the package. So you actually know what it is. Okay. Okay. All right. So those are the, the technical term is a sleeve swivel. Those are actually meant for something totally different, but I use it as a slider on that swivel. I put a, I put a loop made out of about 60. So there there's our, uh, I'm trying here. It's just, it's very weird doing this. I don't know if you can see it. Okay. So you can see that there's a line attached to that. Yep. And that, all that is is about a six foot or six inch loop. And it's made out of 60 pound or 80 pound, uh, mono. And what I do is I, uh, that's what I put my, my weight on. So I can change my weight, you know, based on current. And there's many versions of this instead of using this, you know, this thing, you can actually just put a regular, uh, barrel swivel in there. A lot of guys do that. I like this cause it never gets, never gets hung. I feel like the barrel swivel gets hung up a lot. So does that make sense to you? Is it, am I? Yeah, man. So the idea is that because of the barrel swivel you have in the leader, it can't get closer than the two to three feet you have from the first piece of 150. And then it slides on the second set. I guess that's 150 pound test as well. And it slides on that yeah. and it has about a two to three foot range there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all 150 pound mono. Um, it, it really think of it as one long, one four foot section. There's just a stopper in the middle. That's yep. all it is. That okay. swivel in the middle is a stop. And that allows that pinfish or that bait to kind of, you know, with the current drift around, look natural. Um, the, the slider part, it just works well for me. And then, like I said, it's important that you, you're using that loop for your weight 
but it's sacrificial. So if you get hung up, you get hung up in some rocks with your weight, at least you can pop that off, break this, because it's hard to break 150 pounds, but 60 pounds you can break no problem. And then you can also, if you don't want to buy those, you can use a, a barrel swivel in, in lieu of that. No, man, I follow, I, f I follow the rig. I follow the logic behind the rig. I mean, I think everything makes sense. It sounds effective. All um, right. We're going to move on to the next rig. All right. Very similar. This is, this is this almost the same, kind of the same concept. It's four foot of 150-pound monofilament. Same thing. Circle hook right. on one end. You've got a egg sinker. And then you've got a barrel swivel. And this is called a knocker rig. It just slides up and down, all the way down the hook. I used to use this all the time. And I've, I've done away with it. I mean, I really just don't use that very often. Because I felt like I was losing a lot of uh, weights. And the the reason for the knocker rig is if, if, a, if a grouper gets hung in the rocks, you can flip that rod up. And it'll slide that weight all the way down, all the way down to the hook. And it'll hit that grouper in the head. And there's only so many times that grouper is going to take, you know, get smacked in the head before he decides, I got to get out of here. Um, the problem is, if you get a shark, which happens a lot when you're grouper fishing, um, when, they bite, when, they, when they bite you, they end up breaking this off, and then you lose your weight too. So then I decided I put a figure eight knot about three inches away from the hook, and that's that prevented that I'd get my weight back, but it it ruined the whole effect of having a knocker rig. So I like the other rig that I, I showed you. It's what I use hundred percent of the time. I don't use a knocker rig anymore, but a lot of guys do. And you know, and they're it's effective. It's just I got tired of losing weights. It gets expensive. <laughs> sure. So that's, uh, you know, those are the two rigs. And then there's another one you can use instead of having that slider in the middle, I'm sorry, that slider up top and that barrel swivel in the middle, you can put a three-way swivel there and then just put a loop there, um, and put your weight in the middle where that, where the barrel swivel was, it, it's now a three-way swivel. I don't really use that. I feel it gets tangled a lot. But a lot of commercial guys do. A lot of my buddies do. It's just not my preferred way. I, I, I like what I have set up. It works for me. So that's that's your rig there that I, and you can use it with dead or or live. What's what's your thought on fluoro versus just regular leader material? Um, I I think mono is fine. Um, I've never had a problem. I think if you're buying fluoro for grouper fishing you're spending a lot of money and it's just not worth it. You, you don't need it because you're down deep. Water visibility isn't usually that clear. So uh, you can do that, but I, I, I don't see any advantage over it. I've got plenty of grouper without using fluoro. I used to use it when I, when I first started, I'm like, I'm spending way too much money on it. And it, I don't see a difference. All right. Um, and then I guess one of the questions I have too, when it comes to that is like, Fluoro seems to be a little bit more stiff than just regular leader material is taking money out of the equation is the more stiffness of fluoro an advantage or a disadvantage over more pliable leader material. Um, 
what I will say is you need to buy the, when you buy the mono leader, you want to buy it in the loop. You know, these big bags, I'm going to grab a bag. It doesn't have as much, it doesn't have as much memory. Like here's an example here. That's, you don't want to use the spools. Don't, don't use that. You know, that's not, that's got too much memory in it. Okay. So th this will alleviate that problem because this 150 pound is going to be pretty stiff for you. But the loop is going to be, that, that's what I always like to use. I mean, I'll use the other stuff in emergency if I don't have any, but I hate, I hate using the little small, the small little spools. Well, well, man, you've grounded us in bait. You've grounded us in rigs. Where are you going to take us now? All right. Well, we're on, uh, I guess, page three, last page. <laughs> I got notes. Okay, so now we're back to kind of where and how, which we kind of covered a little bit of that. So what we're looking for, we're predominantly the, re, the, the uh, ledges here run, they, they run southeast to northwest. Okay, so when you're running out, say Moorhead or you run out of Swansburg and you just go south because that's out deep, um, you're going to miss a lot of ledges. Those guys that are trolling east to west, they're going to find those ledges. And when they find those ledges, like I said earlier, you need to mark them, do circles and just keep laying out the land, find where that ledge is. And like I said, you're going to want I prefer, I like to be on the deep side and, and I'm trying to fish underneath that ledge because I mean, if you're 10 foot off, you know, you may not get them to come out. You want to be as close to that ledge as possible. I mean, sometimes they do come up on top on the surface of those, those rocks and, um, you know, you'll, you'll find them there, but predominantly ledges, rocks, and, you know, those type of reliefs and then wrecks. The problem with wrecks, especially not so much now. This is when I like hitting the, the wrecks a little bit more. But in the summertime, because those groupers are out there in the summer. They, they didn't leave. They're still around. Um, the problem with wrecks, early fall, even mid-fall, divers. It's, I have nothing against divers. they got to make a living, too, the dive boats. But when the divers go down, they're, they're going to basically give them lockjaw because they've scared the heck out of them. Um, you know, there's some guys, you know, some of them are spearing them, some of them are just looking at them, but you can't even, you know, you can only get so close to the dive boats anyways. So I tend to stay clear of wrecks. Um, but as the season gets later, the divers aren't out there. And that's a great time to start, you know, hitting those. And, you know, there's a, a lot of other species that you're going to find on those wrecks, as well as any of these, uh, this live bottom, you know, the coral that's out there. Another great place. But if, you zoom in and you see different, you know, all these different two foot, three foot. That's where I want to try those areas. And another thing that I learned, took me a little while. If you're going for grouper and specifically grouper, that's all you want to do. And this is tough to do on a charter because these people want to fill a cooler. They want to fill the box. Um, you're only going to, you only want to hit those spots for 15 minutes you know, 10 to 20 minutes, somewhere in that range. Because if you're not getting a grouper right away, typically like a commercial grouper fishermen, they're moving. They, they're not sticking around because that's all they want is those grouper. But with a charter, it's a little different because, you know, if you don't catch any grouper and that's all you want. You're not have, you're not going to have a good full box. So we, we also tend to look for other species while we're out there, like bee liners, 
sea bass, grunts, that type of thing. Um, so, all right, what else we got there? So we talked about where. Um, that's, I mean, really, you, you, those guys that kingfish, those are going to be the guys that can really find some good bottom because they're sitting there trolling back and forth, back and forth, especially slow trolling. You're going to have a nice crisp picture. But again, if you don't zoom in on the just from the bottom up, you know, 10 feet at the most, you're not going to find those really good uh, hidden gems that, that those grouper are holding on. Man, uh, we're, I think we're starting to get to the point where we're running out of time. And if you were going to give us any kind of thoughts or insights on anchoring to wrap it up, I think this would be a good time to work that in. Okay. Well, I think more importantly, because I think that they're going to be able to find that anchoring stuff, um, get yourself an anchoring ball and get yourself a, uh, you know, the, the, the anchoring ring. But I think more importantly, is talking about the, the type of gear that you need for grouper. Okay. Um, I think that would help them a little bit better because we sure. didn't really cover that as far as your rods and reels. You do not, you do not need to spend a fortune on, on gear. It's, it's very economical and, and good quality. So what I recommend, I use a lot, I use a lot of spinning gear. I don't use any, um, conventional or casting reel, whatever you prefer to call it. Everybody has their own term. I use typically a BG just a BG 6,500. It's, I think it's got like 35 pounds of drag. Um, I lock the drag down with 80 pound braid. You're, you're not going to hold back, um, 35 pounds of drag very long. Um, for rods, you know, I've got, a, you know, I'm, I'm using this six foot. This is a, a live bottom rod from sportsman wholesale that, that's only really the only place you can get those. It's kind of exclusive there. If you can't get there, because this is a 60 to 150 pound uh, braid or, or line capacity, or line capacity, and then it's what uh, three to eight foot, three to eight ounce uh, jig size. Where if if you can't get the sportsmen's to get those, which you can also get the tiger sticks. You know the ugly sticks. These are great too. They're both about the same uh, price range, you know, 70, 80 bucks. Um, but I, I do, my, my preferred is those, those live bottom ones. I mean, I helped design them with, with Todd Locker down there at Sportsman's. Um, I've got several of them and, and they're, they're really, the key is you've got to have a stiff rod. Um, if you don't have a stiff rod, if it's too, too flimsy, you're not going to be able to get them out of the rocks. And that's important. Grouper will fight for the first, half of the water column but after that they kind of fizzle out unless you get into the 30 inch plus class but your typical you know 24 to 28 inch they fizzle out pretty much after you get up you know that mid water column but you need and we didn't talk about that when you're fishing for them you need to be attentive it's not sticking the rod in the rod holder you have that rod in your hand ready to go and these are circle hooks so you don't set the hook you, you just start, you let that rod go down and you start cranking up. And when you're fishing for them, this is very important. We didn't talk about this. You, those, those rigs that we, we showed you, they all have weights on them. You do not want that weight bouncing on the bottom because you're going to spook the fish. You want that weight standing pretty much straight up and down 
like that. That's what you want. And the way to do that is what we call the grouper dance. Grouper dance is as the boat goes up, you put your rod tip down and vice versa. So you want that weight to stand straight up. If it's pounding, you're going to spook the fish. You're, you're not going to catch a lot of fish. Um, that's one, that's more important than really, you need, a, you do need to anchor. I don't anchor anymore. I have, I have spot lock with trolling motor, which is phenomenal. I used to anchor for many, many years. Uh, but I got, you know, I get older and I don't have a mate. So that my, my, uh, trolling motor is my mate. <laughs> well, I'm going to give you one last area to touch on before we call it a podcast, before we call this episode complete. Any, what's the advice? Because it sounds like you're taking a lot of people out for their first time or, you know, relatively new to bottom fishing or at least grouper fishing. What's your advice to like feeling the bite? And again, not setting the hook, but like if there's tapping, how long do you hang in there before you give it a reel? Like what, how do you coach people to hook the fish without losing the fish or prematurely reeling up? Well, <laughs> that's a, that's a tough, I mean, a grouper, doesn't usually nibble too much they they pretty much the way that grouper does it they just inhale it and that rod just goes over you just you got to be ready and that's uh, you'll know a grouper bite when it happens it's it's a strong pull and then you just start reeling don't once you start reeling and get that line tight i do tell them go ahead and set the hook slightly like kind of a, like a half set um but if you're getting little pecks that's not a grouper that's it's you know probably tom tapes uh sand perch ringtails which are a real pain in the neck trying to fish for grouper but uh y you'll know a group bite and it's the thing is you've got to be ready and people get complacent and they they're not paying attention and all of a sudden the rod goes down and they're like oh they, they just get all crazy and then all it's too late the, the fish went in the rock now i do get a lot of the fish out of the, a lot of grouper out of the rocks and you know i have my method it's maybe hard to explain but i mean i kind of i basically have them open the bale and i grab the the line and i can feel them and i i got about a 75 percent you know success rate getting them out everybody has their own method some people just put in the rod holder open the bale let it slack and, and wait for them to come out um i like to grab that line with my hands and i work it and I just have this technique where I just keep pulling on it and slack it and pull and slack and just that's not, it's just not something I can really teach over and you know iPod iPod here but just whatever. <laughs> well, right on, Captain Chris Falcone. I think that brings us to the end again. I know you could keep talking. I could I could keep talking grouper fishing, but I think we're at the end of the podcast. We're end at this episode. And again, man, thank you so much for what you've shared, for the preparation you put into putting on this show, man, uh, you know, from gear to rigs. I, I appreciate it very much. I have one last thing. All right. If you're fishing for grouper, you got to have a descending device. There's different styles out there, but this is meant to uh, send back, send the fish back to the bottom. If they're undersized, you're going to release them. This one actually pops automatically. There's different kinds. But you need to look into that. If you don't have a descender device and you're fishing for grouper snapper, you're not following the federal regulations. So just keep that in mind. 
Well, I like it, man. You started your show with some safety advice and you're ending it with some fish safety advice, man. I, I like the full circle. And again, liked everything about tonight, man. I appreciate it. Hopefully I met your expectations. It was all kind of off the hip, but hey, that's, that's how I roll. <laughs> man, yes, you met expectations. Thank you very much. Captain Chris Falcone spooled rotten charters out of the Swansboro Emerald Isle Cedar Point area. Billy oh, Thorpe, man, a lot there for Billy's best takeaway. Yeah. Yeah, man, I'll do a ton. I, you know, I got a whole page of notes here that I took. I was today years old when I learned what a grouper dance was, so that was pretty entertaining. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll get a chance to do a grouper dance. Um, but I, I loved a couple things. One, the, the, the chum ball, the small chum ball uh, trick. I thought that was pretty cool. And then um, the the weight rig trick where he's talking about you, you not losing weights while you're down there because that stuff is expensive. So uh, I think there's a lot of that kind of peppered throughout the episode of like little tips and tricks and even a couple of legal tips to keep you out of jail, like circle hook and, you know, having that uh, device each other at the end. So, um, yeah, man, for somebody who knows nothing about grouper fishing, I was like, man, this sounds pretty fun. Sounds pretty good. So. Yeah, man, I, I, again, from the early days of Fisherman's Post, bottom fishing just became sort of like the company favorite trip. I'm going back to Max Gaspany, Joshua Alexander, Andy Hargrove days, and uh, it's just stayed with, you know, the staff has changed, but my love for bottom fishing has remained. And uh, Chris Falcone has me excited, man. I'm, I got to look at my calendar and figure out when I get to go bottom fishing again. Yeah, man. Well, sounds good. I'll, I expect an invite for that trip. Sure. I'll invite you on every trip. It's a no risk situation. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm not going to catch anything. You know, like I... you're not going to come. <laughs> we better end this podcast where people find out. I don't fish a lot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, man, that was great. dude. It was a great episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Be sure to support our two sponsors here, Marine Warehouse Center and SRD20.com. Go check those guys out. Support them where you can. And remember, Marine Warehouse is not just North Carolina, South Carolina, but they'll ship all over the world. So uh, be sure to get in touch and see what they can do for you. And Gary, appreciate it, man. Another great episode. Thank you.